0: Not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. Mom,
1: Mom, Mom.
2: Hey, cool moms. Yeah you (laughs) welcome 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 to cool moms live at soho house we are here every month this is our third month here and i am so happy to see new faces familiar faces faces i haven't seen in a long time welcome welcome and and we have non-moms and we have okay what's up and we got some not to gender you, but we have some men in the building, I think some of you, maybe, maybe, some male-identifying people. And so I like to see that as well. Y'all are very smart. This is the cheat code. We talk big shit. We drop gems. This is a very honest, honest space. (laughs) I don't like to say safe space because I can't guarantee safety for you, but I'm going to guarantee that I'm going to show up as my best self, and hopefully everyone else will as well. Every podcast we start off with This Week in Motherhood. So I'm a riff for a second. I haven't, I've been so busy that I haven't had an opportunity to even think about what my week in motherhood looks like, but I will start with this. By show of hands, I'm going to tell them myself that I used to be a teacher. Um, by show of hands, how many people in here are co-parents, co parent Okay, yes, so this is the first time that my son has been away from home, but has been with his dad and his dad's new partner. So I'm really excited because I'm really excited for Sergeant to have a multitude of people to learn from, to grow from, that will love him and teach him so many things that I just couldn't ever. But with all that being said, um I had my feelings hurt right before I got here y'all and it was like not I'm not gonna say it's not that deep because I'm not gonna diminish how I was feeling but I hadn't spoken to Sergeant in a couple of days and we're together 24 7 so I'm kind of like where is he at what is he doing is he thinking about me (laughs) and Uh, When I spoke to him, he was like, yeah, I've been reading. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's amazing. And he's like, yeah. And insert dad's partner's name, read a bedtime story to me last night. And I was like, oh, that's really amazing. I didn't get to talk to you last night. I didn't read a story with you last night. (laughs) And I, it was you know, more and more the reality is setting in that there is not just another person, but another woman who is taking a significant role in his life and his upbringing. Um, And so that was really, it was such an ego check for me because it's really not about me, it's about the tribe that we're creating in order to raise him, but I'm not gonna lie. I was just like, she don't need to read to you? So petty. <laughs> so petty. So I have been really processing my emotions and really living in the co-parenting spirit. Um, so many petty emotions have come up like, oh, I can't wait to get a partner. Just wait till I get someone. Then you'll see. <laughs> see what? <laughs> like, So yeah, I've been processing those emotions this week. I also, uh, if you were here last month, you know, that was my the day I got hired at my new job. So I'm a month in, and let me tell you something, they really want me to work. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all, I have never been this reliable in my life, (laughs) and I'm including with motherhood. Um, So that has been also really humbling and such a life change for me. And another reminder of the ways in which I need to grow up and mature and be accountable 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 that's also been a big word these past couple of weeks um has anyone been having interesting friend dynamics as of late where you maybe you've had to have some challenging conversations yes thank you there's a couple people in the back i have there's been a lot of friend stuff coming up with me i don't know if it's in the stars or what but I have had to, again, I think at 33, and I said I wasn't going to talk about my age anymore, but whatever. At 33, there's been a real um, kind of shift in expectations around friendships and what we need from our friends and making sure that they are reciprocal relationships. And so I have had to really like stand in my boundaries and hold certain friends accountable to the point where maybe we won't be friends anymore and so i've also been dealing a lot with that these like kind of very interpersonal personal romantic platonic relationships and how am i showing up and what's no longer serving me but also because accountability is key i'm like these people are people that i have attracted into my sphere so what's going on with me and how are they a reflection of me and what do i need to be learning here So that's all the therapy I've been doing. I fired my therapist, so I've been having to (laughs) be my own therapist and do a lot of meditating and crying and a little bit of weed smoking and all those things have been very, okay, all those things have been very helpful to me um, as of late. What what has also been helpful is community. So I'm, again, really excited to be here. And I am so excited to have Rachel Finley, a.k.a. Insta Steak, on the show. Everybody give her so much love. Yes. Rachel is a mother, of course. She is also a podcaster and she is also an owner of a multitude of brands. And a lot of other things that we'll get into. Rachel is busy. Uh, welcome to Cool Moms, Rachel. Hello. Oh, <laughs> I didn't
3: know if it was on, so we're going to roll the dice. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah,
2: I'm really excited. Um, I also always like to say Rachel is a hot mom because she is a hot mom.
3: Okay, I need to warn everyone about this outfit. Because <laughs> <laughs> Let me, are you going to describe it? Something might pop out the top if I get too excited. We've we've
2: got a hot pink zebra corset for everyone listening post-show. Oh,
3: yes. Um, Okay, so the reason why I wore this is because um, Elise and I recently spoke at another event and I don't know if you guys do this before you, um, go to your child's school, but I have like a whole section of my wardrobe that's just for attending school because nothing else is appropriate. So, uh, and you know, it's like, it's like the same five like tight sweaters and like that's it, that's it. And then like plain jeans. So this is now, okay, this is a a cool mom's podcast but it's a bit different from the mom's event we just spoke at which was like fashion mamas and like a little bit more crunchy I guess you know in some ways yeah totally Um, and so I want I was trying not to do the the school sweaters but I didn't want to go full look and then I saw the photo, I wore a very cute outfit. It was like a little Esprit, a vintage like Esprit top and like a little, you know, look, whatever. I looked cute, I know I did, but um, <laughs> it wasn't this. And when I saw the photos, I was like, oh, I, I don't look really like authentic to myself. And it was kind of like a little sad that I thought I had to dress a different way to impress moms because I am a mom and like I shouldn't have to do that, but it was in my head. So today I wore the full Rachel look. This is it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I felt like you I felt like you could hold the space for my full look and maybe Absolutely. my boob coming out of the top of the corset. I
2: would be excited. And I <laughs> thank you for coming as yourself. I'm glad we're gonna get to the inaugural question, but I'm just gonna do a quick caveat because in the middle of my very, very hectic day, I ran around to four stores. Looking for something to wear because when I looked back at the photos of myself, I was like, what the fuck are you wearing? <laughs> you look so conservative and weird. That's what I, felt. I felt I looked really conservative. I was so disappointed in myself when I looked back. So I really overthought how I was presenting well, I think you, today. I thought
3: you looked great then and you look great now. Thank you. You're
2: welcome. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I won't say who it was, but I, I was looking at this picture of a celebrity today and she just didn't look like herself you know she didn't look like full glam and all the things fair but I was like this is what I feel like has been happening to me when I've been doing like public stuff right where I feel good when I leave the house and then I see photos of myself and I'm like do I not have friends I mean photos are terrible I think we should just get rid of we just need. sorry I know there's photographers in the room I saw (laughs) them walk in so sorry but we could just get rid of you yeah (laughs) (laughs) Or just like, you know, get my good angle. Damn. So I did a lot of overthinking getting ready for this. But I think you look great. Thank you very much. I feel comfortable today. So I'm happy about that. Me too. Okay, good. (laughs) Um, Since we've talked about how we look, uh, I would like to circle back on the always on inaugural question. Okay. What is your sign? Oh my God. What does that mean to you? Okay. And we can go as deep and kooky or as surface as you would like.
3: Well, I actually have like a weird story about my sign. Um, So I, my mom passed away and um, my dad was not present for my birth. And it was really hard for me to, okay, sorry, back it up. I'm supposed to be a cancer. I thought I was a cancer my whole life my entire life. So therefore I thought I did not believe in the Zodiac because I do not relate to anything (laughs) that it says that cancers relate to feel whatever. I just really was like, it's not for me. It's not for me. So I went and I was talking to this, uh, I had my chart read as a cancer and the woman was like, she was also unsure if I was a (laughs) cancer. So it kind of like started getting into my head. That, okay, something is up here. Well, then this whole Instagram Zodiac thing happened and everybody needs to know your top three. Yes. I did not know mine because I didn't have anyone to ask. So I called the hospital where I was born. I was really, I wanted to relate to Instagram so bad. So I called the hospital in Florida where I was born. I was like, listen, I need my birth records. Someone has to tell me when I was born because if they give you... um a second uh, uh birth certificate there's no there's no time on it and I'm like no I need it you don't need to, you don't understand I need my rising <laughs> I need my rising and my moon like literally please leave us alone um so I finally got it and you know what I'm a Leo Duh. I'm a
2: Leo I was Duh. born on the last day of cancer and I'm a Leo <laughs> that's more like it yeah
3: it is it's much more like it right everybody I'm a Leo come on um, <laughs> So I'm a Leo. I'm a Scorpio rising and an Aquarius moon. <laughs> I think it's kind of fun. That's fun.
2: <laughs> oh, you're kind of all over the place like my top three.
3: I'm i I'm all over the place. But it was weird because once I announced it, because it really felt like a big moment to me because I had like just unearthed my history, you know, for the first time. Like, I'm here. Like, this is me. All of my friends were like, yeah, we knew that. Like, that made sense for you. So that felt good.
2: Did it change at all the way you approached life, work, friendships? I mean... I mean, no, because I'm a Leo.
3: So it's like, I say <laughs> that's in me. But um, no, I do feel like, you know, I am reading. I, I mean, I think just like jumping into like the Zodiac thing really like brought me closer to like a weird spirituality that I haven't really found before. Um, and then I started reading about like numbers. And then I found out I was born on the unluckiest day of that has ever existed. And all this like other. Wait, what day is that? July 22nd, 1986. Okay. <laughs>
2: Well, you didn't want to talk about your age. I'm two years older. It's not that I'm an ageist. I'm being kind of ridiculous about it. I have also been... um,
3: I went to my first Gen Z party the other day. And now I can't stop saying Gen Z, which I think makes me just so different from Gen Z. And I didn't want that. But I keep telling everyone, oh, I went to my first Gen Z party. I I, I was... I was not an elder millennial at the Gen Z party. There were uh, there were other people there who were older, but um, yeah, I did go to my first Gen Z party, and it did make me feel very not. I'm not ageist. I'm just feeling 35. You know exactly, literally. Like, also, I've been in the city for 15 years. I'm from South Florida, and it was a Hollywood Hills party, and like I was watching them just like go off, and I was like. Wow, I used to go off in the hills, and like I, I didn't look like that. Like they're, they have like a whole new style. They have like a whole new vibe going on. And I was, I was really excited to see it in a lot of ways because like, it is cool to see like the new kids come up. But I was also like, I'm still cool. I got my Uggs on in public.
2: Right. That happened to me at work. Last week, I work, I work with Gen Zers uh, and I'm one of the oldest on my team, which is not new. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's why they pay me the money. And I, we were ch- going over copy for something. And I was like, yeah, maybe we should say something about CU IRL. And they were like, <coughs> <laughs> nobody says IRL. And I was like, oh, I I do. I do. <laughs> I do. I was like, I say it. Um, you say it in real life daily. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, oh, Elise, you are of a different generation, yeah. and like, you have a lot to learn.
3: Well, I also, so um, I have a, uh, I own a parent company, which is like a weird thing to say, because I've always been like, those are the evil people, (laughs) the parent companies. But I own a company that if other people want to make clothing lines or develop anything, we will help you do it. Um, You can come to us with the idea or no idea at all, and we will basically make it happen. Um, But... Wait, now I lost my train of thought. Oh, so I have been very focused on trying to uh, learn how to sell to Gen Z because they are the next consumer that's coming up. And um, I'm in digital conferences about it. I'm taking meetings with marketing strategy. I'm taking all this. And then I realized that my youngest or my oldest daughter is actually Gen Z. And if I just stay quiet for five years, she can have the company.
2: What? Ah, does did Gen Z Jay- extend that far? Yes. Isn't that scary? <laughs> yeah. So
3: she's 11. Mm-hmm. That's like the youngest Gen Z. Wow. At least that's what the internet told me. Am I wrong? Is anybody? Do we know? Did <laughs> somebody Google this? I Googled it. I Googled it, and it did say 11 to 25. There's Doesn't like, that seem crazy? It seems
2: bizarre. I feel like, like are they hiding behind yeah. the curtains? Where so are I'm they? no longer looking in for marketing help anymore. I'm <laughs> you just got it waiting in house. for
3: Izzy to get to be 16, in- and
2: then I'm going to step out. I'm we're going to circle back on all the brands and all the mom things. But first, because we were there, I want to talk a little bit about being from South Florida. Yes, because that's a specific thing. Yes, it is. It's and it's not like the rest of Florida. And it's definitely not like standing pause because thank you. I
3: really uh, that is my favorite. If somebody knows that South Florida is a bit
2: different than the rest. It's wow. Yes, (laughs) I grew up. Partially in the suburbs of Atlanta. Okay. So like, oh, you know. I know. Okay. I know. South Florida is not like the South and it's not yeah. like Florida. It's weird. <laughs> what was your experience like growing up in South Florida and how did that inform how you approach life and how you put yourself out there?
3: Ooh. Okay. So I love being from Florida. Um, I hate the politics and I hate all the other stuff, but I really love the relationship with nature that a lot of people from the Everglades, which is where I'm from have. And I would say that this one's hard. (laughs) I would say that it doesn't have to be so deep. I mean, I, I mean, look, it is something I try to instill in my kids is I like the fact that I grew up knowing what every tree in my neighborhood was called. And that's a big thing. If you guys go visit down there, people tell you, oh, turn left at the Banyan, but not at the Malaluca, you know, like they, that's how they talk. Um, and so like, that's a big thing that I like to, to do with my kids. And, and and I think that's important. But I think the most important thing about growing up in South Florida that it taught me is to leave. <laughs> <laughs> it said there are no creative jobs here you have to get out and i did it was either that or i was going to work on the fishing boats those were my two choices mm. so i did i left i fled where'd well, you I, go first first i went to tampa <laughs> what Which is like middle florida uh first i went to tampa and then i went on tour with metal bands <laughs> And then I went many places. Oh wait, what were you doing? Um, I was selling merch. Yeah. Uh yeah, I to tu- I toured with no apartment for two and a half years. Wow. It was really crazy. I lived out of a suitcase. Um, it was like a, a tattered duffel bag. Um, and then eventually I got hired by some record labels that were putting out the metal bands and I was only working their tours which kind of like provided me a little bit of like a safety net um but yeah it was just kind of like I mean that sounds like so wild now saying it into a microphone but yeah it was it was a crazy two and a half years of my life and then sort of after that I was getting burned out at 20 (laughs) and um, I started putting feelers out there and I got offered um a free unpaid internship at two record labels. One we was, love those. We <laughs> love those. Uh, one was in L.A. Um, it was like an, a boutique metal label called Hydrahead. with no money. They had no money. Um, And, or a really fancy record label called Roadrunner that was in New York and Roadrunner had like crazy corporate, or they have crazy corporate offices. And you know, when I went to the meeting, they were like, here's dinner. And like, I hadn't eaten anything except for Taco Bell in two and a half years. So I was like, wow. And still somehow I picked LA for the clout. (laughs) Um, the
2: clout and no money the clout was calling yeah the clout clout
3: called me so i i I moved out to la and um i turned my unpaid internship into a very low-paying career in social media because that was back when um yeah you could get basically a salary job as a 20 year old to put people's Facebook banners up, because that, that generation did not know how to do that.
2: Because I was going to ask, what did social media mean then? It was blogger. I, I did a
3: lot of blogger. I did a lot of um, Photoshopping different banners. Um, I, and I did, yeah, the Facebook and a little Twitter. But, I mean, this was a while like, ago. Man, I sound old, but... You this know. was before smartphones. Right. Yeah, this is like the last, I had a flip, uh, something flipped open and it had a, uh, it, it was like this and it was orange. Zach knows the name of it. We talk about, he had the same phone, which is like, <laughs> it's like a, a little orange thing and it had GPS, but then the GPS, if you use it, it cost you like $30. I remember yeah, that. that phone. That, it was that era of my life with that phone because I was trying to get around LA and I had to pay $30 anytime I went somewhere.
2: <laughs> so wait, when you left Florida, did you have a, and you knew you were going to go on tour with these metal bands, did you have a clear idea of your like professional trajectory, or were you just riding a wave of opportunity?
3: Um, I was riding a wave of opportunity. I was saying yes to a lot of things. I grew up in foster care, so there wasn't um, an avenue for me to go to college, um, and I wasn't sure what to do. I feel like a lot of pieces of my life have been very high highs and very low lows and i would i would consider this a high high because it was truly right place right time but i literally watched the band get into a fight with the merch band and kick him off the tour and i was like i'll go (laughs) and they were like what then they tried to talk me out of it because they're like you know girls can't do it you know, and they didn't know me. I was also a weird stranger to them. So I'm like, no, I'll go. And then at the time, my first tour, I had told them, you just have to drive me to Florida. Because at this, oh, sorry, I I was in upstate New York. I had somehow made it to upstate New York. So I was like, you just have to drive me back home to Florida. That's my first tour. And they're like, okay, that's in five days. You can do it. So I got in, I basically got in the tour van. And then they realized that a girl selling merch sells a lot of merch. Hell yeah. And they were like, yes. please do the rest of the tour. And that was how I got there
2: amazing and so at that point were you like I'm a to sell merch I thought yeah I thought that
3: my life was going to be on tour and then when that started to get exhausting and gross and I think at one time I caught like this is gross but I think I got like scabies or like something Damn. really funky from sleeping on somebody's floor and I was like I gotta get out of here and then yeah I thought I was just talking to my girlfriend's story about this. So we were we were both working at Red Lobster at one point, and I think that when you grow up without money, um, you kind of just go, "Oh, this is a job. I'm just going to work this ladder," and like you imagine your whole career. And I, story, and I were talking like we were at one point in our lives we were going to be like regional managers of Red Lobster. Just because like you get in as a hostess and you're like, totally. this is my Aim high. this I, is it. Yeah, like I have a job. So as soon as I got on tour, I was like, I'm on tour forever and then I'm gonna like, I don't know, whatever happens. I was like, then I'm gonna do sound or lights or whatever, guitar tech. I just really thought I was gonna work that system until I, I didn't and then I moved out
2: here. And you were chasing the clout, but- I was, I was chasing the clout. But it, but it worked.
3: It did work, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, it worked. Yeah, And yeah. you're no stranger to media. You no. have been, you've been there, I was gonna say since the beginning of the internet, I'm not gonna fucking no, do No, but that to be you. honest, I got called the first influencer
3: the other day. I was, someone was being very kind, but I was like, ah, <laughs> I don't know if that's true.
2: <laughs> I want to run through a couple of the things that you've done and like, let's talk about- I'm already blushing. I'm got, I'm
3: Get ready, ready.
2: okay. Let's talk about bad advice.
3: OK, yeah. So bad advice is my advice column on Tumblr. And if you go, I mean, it's uh, it's defunct. Please don't ask me any questions. I'm so tired. Um, But it was an advice column that I started on Tumblr because I did like I was you know tumbling like we all were, and then people were submitting questions, and I don't know why I just felt this insane responsibility to answer them. (laughs) I I love that. I feel the same. (laughs) I was like, okay, yeah, like, but they would be like, what would you wear to this, and I'd be like, oh, like I don't know. I was like googling the answers and putting them in. Um, But it actually amassed a following of like 250,000 subscribers to my bad advice column, Rachel. Yeah, it was really crazy. don't know why and like I felt like I needed to put the I didn't mean it like bad advice wasn't like witty I was just trying to warn them I'm like I really have no idea what the hell I'm talking about on here so I got yeah that's actually now if you go to my Instagram that is where the majority of those people would know me from so I think that I have been sick and my clothing line hot lava which is my baby line um, not for babies but it's the one I treasure Um, that is for tailor fit for
2: that demographic that has been following me for almost 12 years. Yeah. I think it's pretty amazing. And to amass such a followership and a community online at such an early time. I know it's, it was wild. It's real legendary. Yeah.
3: It was, it's, it's really cool. I mean, I, and like, honestly, the ways that that community has held me Mm -hmm. when they don't even know they have, you know, like I've like vented in my advice sometimes. (laughs) Like I've been like, oh, I'll tell you about a time, you know, (laughs) and I'll like go off and like, they've, they've really held space for me in times too. And like, I, I don't... That's like... I call them readers. I call them followers. I don't like to call them fans. Because, like, I really... I, it is a community for me. And and I've met a lot of them. Not all of them. But, I mean, it's... I don't know. It's cool. I love them.
2: That's very cool. I was, like, being boring on Tumblr. Um, trying to find... Trying to find porn on Tumblr is what I was doing.
3: I mean... Thank you! The P-O-R-N on Thank Tumblr you. was
2: very... Aesthetic, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of aesthetic going on. Very much of an aesthetic, find yours, tap in. <laughs> um, I also want to talk about the Vice show, Style and error. Yeah, yeah. So we went from Tumblr.
3: So I went to Tumblr, and again, then, this was like another thing. I, I had cancer, by the way. So this was my low low was I had cancer. And um, I survived, because I am here. Um, yes! I <laughs> So yeah, I had cancer, and um, that was kind of like the start of you know making clothes for me because I was like couldn't work at the record label anymore. Was on Tumblr a lot. Tumblr grew, and then yeah, uh, just kind of and uh, look, Vice has always got there. I mean, back then Vice was always looking. They wanted anything new and cool, and yeah, they were like, hey, do you want to do a, a couple of segments for us as a host? And um, uh, yeah, I said yes. I say yes all the time. I need to say no. You were saying you're learning that you need to yes. taper back, but I was telling Elise that you don't really know when you need to taper back until you're like way underwater, drowning. <laughs> so you're like, okay, now I need help. But I was, I said yes to Style and Error, and um, it won a Webby, the one I did. Shut up. Yeah, it did. It did. It was Damn. pretty cool. So. Um, yeah, I did one with Gloria Allred, and then I did—I yeah, I did a couple, and then um, I was able to move to what I call Big Vice. You know, it's just a little bigger paycheck um, out of the digital Vice, and I moved to Vice Land, and I was doing their Juggalo content, so I got to go to the gathering. That's kind of
2: wild. Really yeah. wild. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, oh, I actually won't go down a dark path there. Um, I will. <laughs> you divert. can. I I, le- I love Juggalos. I need to say I love okay, them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Fair. I But I want to circle back on a couple of points because I definitely wanted to talk about health and wellness. And, you know, I've been watching you be so transparent. And when we're talking about social media, one... I would I'm really curious as to how your relationship has evolved with social media because now I feel like I got to know so much about you via what you share, the ups, the downs, and everything in between. So let's start first with like how your relationship with social media has changed and then then we'll get into talking about health and wellness. So
3: I don't know. Okay, again, it started with community. I was out here in LA and I was by myself and I was going through things. I am like part of amassing those followers and talking to them a lot it was like again i was going through chemo and i was putting it out there because i just sort of wanted someone to be like it's okay you know i don't have like a fam i don't have biological family so it was like i was truly alone and um so yeah when i was putting that out there but also cool things were happening you know i went to like weird events and i was like this happened today and like it sort of gathered all this stuff and and it was it like i was saying it was just a community it was a place for me to hold other people and for them to hold me and i really felt I don't know, just like seen, I guess. Now as a business owner, I have a truly terrible relationship with it because I hate it, but it's a necessary tool. And so I think that's But you why, do it so well.
2: Well, I I literally watch you and I'm like, fuck, I haven't posted in eight days. And I mean, thank you. On it. I'm
3: trying, you know, a lot of it is because I feed my family with the money that I make from my social media. If I post, my brands get sold. But it's not just me. I also need to help my clients post. I need to help them curate their fan bases. I need to really master that algorithm. So there are some things that I do not let slide. Like I don't let it go multiple days without posting. Not that you're doing it wrong. I love your boundary. It's okay. I love your boundary. I have a little bit of a scarcity issue. So I work all the time. Um, But so I have that. But then at the end of the day, and I think this is where maybe you see like the flippancy of of it come out is like I'll work for like six hours on social media, and then everyone's like, "Oh, you're so raw and real." It's like, no, those are my actual f-. like I'm like, "Fuck this," you know. At some point, point. and that's when I kind of get a little goofy on there.
1: I get, <laughs> I get a little crazy,
3: and I do. I show. I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not an internet crier. Uh, respect to internet criers. Leo, not going to be an internet. I crier. mean, I don't know. Yeah.
2: Also, I don't. I don't want to see you cry on the internet. No, I'm, I'm not honest. an
3: internet crier, but I am like an internet like armpit hair, on accident. Yeah. You know, and like a little butt Mars crack. Like that one. And a lot of butt crack. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. like that a lot. Well, that's another thing that I'm working through. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like just got hot. Like when I got hot, like last year, so I'm like living for all my twenties and there is a little bit of butt crack on my Instagram now, but if you've been, sorry,
2: I feel, I could some of
3: my followers, but I'm like, okay, under these baggy three XL sweatpants and this giant graphics bong t-shirt, <laughs> there is something to see. And it is a butt crack.
2: Yes. And it is good. Yeah, it's good. Let's um let's run back a little bit to when you first started having health complications and yep. how did you find out that you had breast cancer?
3: Oh, not breast. Bre- not breast. No, I had uterine. I make no, that's that okay. No, I know why you thought that. I okay. know exactly why you thought that. So we did um a panel together yes. and we it was about breastfeeding.
2: We met talking about breasts. Yeah, we did. So, so that, I think that actually you and makes I think total breast. sense. Okay, okay. And
3: um I had uterine cancer. Um So Mars here is actually my miracle baby. She has a negative 33% chance of being here. Um, So I had uterine cancer and I actually went uh, at Planned Parenthood. They found it. So um, I went in for like a normal pap. They were like, something doesn't feel right when they were touching. I was in some pain and um, yeah, I went, I just went right in. And the first time I applied for um, a medical grant, I had $250 in my bank account. I could not afford chemo and radiation. And I was sitting in um, the LA USC Keck Hospital. It wasn't called that then. I don't remember what it was called. Um, and I was just, you know, get, uh, so I signed for this thing and they put some like radial nodes. It was an, uh, not an experiment. It was a, a medical, what is it called? A test? Uh, I'm losing yeah, the word. what is that called? A
2: yeah, a clinical thank trial, you. thank you. I'm, like, thank I'm you. spacing.
3: So I was in a clinical trial um, I I went into remission. I was lucky. I did go into remission and then I got it again. Mm. And then um, when I had got it the second time, it had spread to my lymph nodes. Um, They don't tell you this. If you guys ever have abnormal cells in your uterus, make sure they are triple checking your lymph nodes because there's a lymph node right next to it. And what happened was, is they thought I had was in remission and just a little tiny speck jumped over there, and then I did get it um, kind of spreading through my lymphatic system back into chemo and radiation, nine rounds. And then at some point in that, I was like, "Let I want to get pregnant. <laughs> I was like, it was, I, really what it was is, um, I also am a co-parent, I am divorced, happily divorced. Um, and, uh, I basically, yeah, it was, he wanted kids. It was like the main, it was his endeavor in life at the moment. Um, I was 26. I didn't know what I wanted, but, um, so I, I started talking to my doctors about it and, um, they were like, look, you basically like reduce your chances every time you go through a round of chemo and radiation. So that's why I say she's got a negative 33% chance. Um, But I did fertility treatments, but it was supposed to be so that then they could check to see if I had any eggs at all. And during that time of just waiting to check, I actually got pregnant. So it was like, and I I had to stop chemo and radiation. I was still in treatment. I had to stop. And this is where our conversation came in because we were doing a panel on breasts and things on breastfeeding, not just breasts. (laughs) Um, And I couldn't breastfeed uh, Mars because I started radiation two weeks after she was born and I actually couldn't hold her or touch her for like two months and I had to wear a hazmat suit around her because I was radioactive. It was like really a dark time for me, but
2: um, we made it out. We're okay. Yeah. What <laughs> yeah. did your Okay. Yes. Please. Thank you. Thank you. Please. Thank you. I am almost at a loss for words. I, what an incredible story of triumph and perseverance and, you know, a greater will outside of ourselves. I am curious about what did your support system look like during that time?
3: Uh, <laughs> happily divorced. Um, I, um, yeah, I mean, it was me. I, I, have, I have a foster sister. My sister Liz, she's my best friend. Um, she was in and out. I pushed her away a bit. I got scared. I clammed up. Again, I'm, I'm, I have my dad, my biological dad is out. He's great now as a 72-year-old man, but he was not there at this point. Um, So yeah, it was just really me and Mars who I would yell to from one floor to the other. But um, yeah, my uh, husband at the time was working all the time, so, and I I, I did, I I did push people away. And I, I wanna own that because people who, tend to always have to do things by themselves, sometimes end up preferring it or thinking that they need to to get it done. Totally. As a trauma response. It was a trauma response. Totally. And I did. I went to every single chemo and radiation by myself. I took Ubers. Came back. um, I went to every doctor's appointment by myself. I sat in the bed for months by myself. It was was weird. But you know where I was? Online. (laughs) (laughs) I was super online. And people held space. A lot of people held space. A lot of other people wrote nasty things on blogs that said they wish I... Bleh, and then some people decided that I wasn't bald enough to have cancer, which was like a huge thing that uh, that happened. Wow. Oh, it was like very wild. But I think at that time, like a little bit of like troll came out in me and I was like, kind of like, yeah, you're right, I'm
2: faking it. <laughs> What's gonna happen next? I'm kind of into that. But you know what? It made me think about you telling that part of the story and the pushing away made me think about... The woman's story that she shared at the summit and it also very much made me think about and have to tap in and hold take accountability for i have a great aunt that was diagnosed with breast cancer who recently underwent a double mastectomy and i i you i had good sense i knew Mm -hmm. i was supposed to tap in and Mm -hmm. check on her and just like chat about the day and all the things i was terrified yes I was terrified to call her I think yeah
3: that that happens because you don't know what the news is going to be and it's almost like you think no news is good news
2: or totally you
3: know and getting involved is like it opens your wounds as someone who's in their support system as well because yeah and they you know they can't hold that for you because they're If anyone ever... I I get this question a lot, actually. Like, I still do advice in my DMs. So you can't Mm -hmm. shake it once you start. (laughs) Um, But a lot of people want to ask how to support someone with chronic illness or uh, especially with cancer and going through treatment. But it's just sometimes just the open availability and sometimes it's not talking in fact most of the time people don't want to talk they just kind of want maybe groceries delivered or someone to come over and clean the house and leave so before you have to see them you know things like that yeah and and i recommend like if you're if you're at a loss for words just finding a way that maybe you can like be of service to them um i think it will make you feel better too um Cause yeah, it is. It, it's it's hard, but it's hard to watch people you love suffer.
2: It is. I totally. When I finally got on the phone with her, I bawled, and I was just like, "I'm so sorry. I didn't know what to say." Yeah,
3: S- um, that's normal.
2: Yes, that's what I've been told. Yeah. <laughs> but the guilt was thick. Yeah, um, the guilt was thick, and I can imagine, I can only imagine, because a lot of us suffer with like mom guilt as it is, trying to be multifaceted and do multiple things, or just trying to be a good mother. Yeah. What did you have any guilt um, or any anger around having cancer and being a new mom? Yes.
3: Um, so I had a nanny at the time, um, Valerie. I hired her. I thought she was so cute. She had like, she was just looked like a little angel. I would have daydreams about murdering her, like, truly just skinning this woman girl this poor girl just because she was holding my baby um and I wasn't able to and I I do I'm kind of blaming the hormones on that a little bit but uh, I was like yeah like definitely. whatever that mama bear thing I was like a fucking grizzly I was so mad um and it would then I had to go like oh calm down like don't murder the 19 year old nanny like this is fine um, but yeah, no, you do, you have like a uh, performance skill as a mom, you know, and I have a, I have performance guilt now. I, I was looking at Mars the other day and I was trying to hold her like a baby and her head is the size that I remembered her whole body to be somehow. And I was just like, man, what like they always say, oh, it goes so fast. But I was like, what is happening? This child is huge. And then, you know, you play in your head all the times that you could have, should have, would have just been more, been there, been here. But I, I, like you have been there, you know, like we've all been there and it, that, that's, a weird, that's a weird guilt thing that we hold on ourselves, especially as, as cool moms who've got a lot going on, you yeah. know. And I think that at the end of the day, like I truly feel like Mars is going to mostly benefit from coming to things like this and, 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 and from me being busy and, and showing her how to be a, a dynamic woman. Yeah, I think.
2: I hope. Yeah. I love that, and and agreed. That's why I try to bring Sergeant as much as possible to places. Just be immersed. Yeah, and see Mom be her own person. Yeah,
3: and I I think that I've always struggled with want not wanting to be identified as one thing, you know. And so motherhood was also felt the same way to me. I didn't want to be mom. I mean, I want to be her mom, but I didn't want to be just mom. I think I felt a little stifled in that thought. So it, this is... I, I always tell my friends and family or whoever wants to listen to me <laughs> that there's not one way to parent. It's just the only way to parent is the way you want to parent. So it, it has helped me kind of like shed a lot of the guilt, I think, because... I'm going to raise my kid the way that she's going to come out, you know, and that's, that's how it's going to happen. And, and you're going to raise sergeant that way. And like, I think that you just have to trust your gut instinct.
2: Absolutely. And just even the inclination that I want to be a good parent Mm -hmm. is means. Yeah. You're doing your thinking
3: about that stuff. Oh, I'm getting a clap from Mars. Uh, If you're thinking about that stuff, you're already, you know, not our parents traumatizing us.
2: Uh, Okay. Let's. Let's go there. Let's go there. That was a great segue. Because not only are, are you working through illness, but also, you know, for me, and I've said this so many times on this show, on this, sh- on this show, yeah, on Cool Moms. You. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I've said this so many times, but, you know, becoming a mother really unearthed a lot of my childhood trauma and forced me to face it and see myself and push through it so that I wouldn't, screw up sergeant in the same ways like let's find some new ways and so i'm i would love to know what were your thoughts around motherhood being someone that didn't grow up with your biological mother so
3: that one's tricky um that one's emotional there were times you know thank god for my partner zach who's over there because there there were times when I would be, Mars would ask me to play pretend and I would sit on the floor ready to do it and I would get, I would totally dissociate and I would go somewhere else and I was having like a lot of barriers in front of me because I didn't, anytime I tried to play, it was just bringing me back to my zone and I think that was really scary and I'm, I'm happy to have worked on healing that in trauma therapy, um, I was scared to have a little girl. I was scared. I thought that, man, I really don't want her to suffer like I did, you know? And, and I, I was sad for her, you know? It But when she was a baby, that she had to come into this world and burden all the shit that women have to burden, and and that terrified me. But I think now, as a scope backwards for me parenting her... I've been looking at like it or looking at it a little bit like my mom taught me things. She taught me what not to do a lot. She taught me what to do sometimes. And mostly now I get to use her knowledge that she gave me whatever it was and I get to write Mars's history and in a way it's making me rewrite my own although it is a little It's it's a little crazy at times to look at a little person and and remember when you were that age and what happened, and that can definitely take you into a space. And I think that I've learned in those moments to just take a time out (laughs) because I'm not. I'm either going to be frozen in some sort of like trauma response, or I need a time. You know, I gotta go. But I think just really focusing on what do they say in therapy being the adult that you needed when you were younger.
2: Hell yeah.
3: <laughs> so I've been doing a lot of that and and and
2: being it for Mars. Mm, I like that a, a lot. A lot, that's good, yes. Um, I, I know that parenthood is transformative <laughs> for for the good ones, yeah. for a lot of us in the best yeah. way. Uh, I want to talk about, because I want to continue the conversation of motherhood, duh, but first, yeah. first comes love and okay. You got a divorce. What did you think that you were going to find love again? Were you open to love? <laughs>
3: no. <laughs> uh, dating in L.A. is hard. Dating in L.A. as a 30-year-old woman with a child was really hard.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um,
3: all the, uh, I uh, so I've always worked in male-dominated industries. I worked in metal music, um, and then I worked in skateboarding. And now I work in like streetwear adjacent brands. So it has always, and, and to me, I was like, I learned early on, um, like, I wasn't going to be sleeping with anyone that I worked with. So my dating pool in LA, which is just all those industries, <laughs> basically went very small. Um, and it, it was difficult for me. And also, like, I wasn't. I was doing that thing where I'm, like, I wasn't really, like, out and single. Like, I was, like, just letting people guess what was going on. So I think a lot of the people that I maybe approached were, like, what is this married woman doing? Like, this is scary. (laughs) Um, But no, no, I did. I did. I went on some dates, um, and it it didn't work out. And I think that it's because I thought that I... I tried to put a divide. I was like, I'm just going to date and no one is ever going to meet my daughter because I meet all of her needs and she never needs anybody else. Like, I'm going to do that for her. And I, it's going to be like, you know, a, a line. And they can know this Rachel, but they can't ever know this Rachel. And it didn't, <laughs> didn't work. But yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> um, because I got, I, I just, I kept getting into these relationships and they were really surface level and and they were fun for a second, but it wasn't, it wasn't really like the soul nourishment I needed because my soul wasn't at the bar anymore with my girlfriends. My soul was at home, you know, with Mar. And yeah, luckily, um I had a boy um slide into my Snapchat DMs. Come on, Snapchat. <laughs> Come on, DMs. Um and oh, got a clap from Mar. Uh and I think a lot of his standout features were besides his face which i really love um and his hair uh were that he was not from la he was um at the time he he's a brick and concrete mason i think i said that right um in buffalo new york which coming from south florida and that sort of like he wasn't a graphic designer. I didn't need another graphic designer. Um, <laughs> and it, I love graphic design Y'all great, but you know, um, I needed like just a different energy. And I think at that point, I was so sick of trying to find someone that I just told him everything I needed. Like in the first thing, I was like, "I'm looking for a stepdad. Don't come over here if you're not this." Like it was, I just like ran a whole thing out there i was like don't even talk to me if you can't like i don't even know what i said but i was like pretty much he dm'd me and i was instantly like angry that he was (laughs) coming over here (laughs) um needless to say he moved in like six months later and now it's been six years so we're doing great (laughs) yeah and he's yeah he's a great dad he's a great dad and and yeah so mars was our um there she is. Mars is our, uh, my first bi- biological. But now we actually have an older daughter who's um, yes. our foster daughter. And she just came to uh, to live with us about
2: seven months ago. And I she's know. 11. I watched it unfold. Oh, you did. You on did. IG. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Like I'm too, I'm tapped in. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for sharing. And so I really... I'm looking forward now. So I also want to be really um, gentle and respectful of the conversation. Thank you. Uh, but I have never interviewed anyone who was like an adoptive or foster parent yeah so i I am (laughs) yeah here we are You're checking something every day so many boxes right now shit um i want to talk about what did that conversation look like with yourself and then between you and zach and and what was the process like
3: okay so izzy is a urm she's a refugee um it actually started uh during our, our conversations surrounding it started probably early on when we were going to try to have a baby um and the doctor said don't you dare do that <laughs> like your uterus is gonna fall out of your vagina <laughs> like don't do it um and so then I was like okay and it, it, I want I knew I wanted to be a mother again because I just felt like I had so much in me that I'd love to give um but then we were actually then we we're like oh well maybe we'll adopt you know my my bio dad is adopted it does adoption doesn't scare me um but yeah then we were like well we really don't want to do baby again because mars had just turned like three or four and like she just started sleeping in her own bed and we were like we need we don't want to do that so then we were like okay looking around looking around and then the whole 2020 march 2020 stuff started happening and everybody was like, white people, be proactive, like give back, do this, you know? And we were just finding any and all ways we could be of service. And
2: Were you calling your black friends? Like, what can I do?
3: I mean, I, don't, I didn't really have to because they were kind of just telling me, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> which was cool. Um, no, I, I, we were just, no, uh, we were just sort of like looking for what to do. And, and you know, it, there was the whole ice at the border issue, and there's still an ICE at the border issue, and we—I found something through the ACLU that said um, they were there was basically ways to help the kids, and that was to become foster parents until they can be reunited because there were three agencies that were allowed to pull them out, which meant they were sleeping in a home and then they were going to be, um, you know, just out of those detention center. So, um, we signed up, we took a year to, um, do the training. It's much longer than, you know, there's, there's a lot of trauma there. Um, and so we took a year to do the training and, uh, then we got Izzy and she came to live with us and it has been such an incredible journey with her. She's, um, indigenous and she didn't know what that meant. So we get to, um, find that out together and learn about herself. And she's a really special kid. And I think she teaches us something every day. Um, Fostering is a beautiful experience. It's also heartbreaking. And it makes you very angry at the system. Um, There are a lot of days where Zach and I are really mad. And then there's a lot of days where we have to check in. And we're like, we're in this together. We do a lot of those moments. Um, But yeah, she's a great kid. We're happy to have her. Um, she's a special case so Izzy doesn't have someone to reunite with so um, on average they're reunited within a year Um, she's going to be with us until she ages out or someone steps forward but we did get her green card so (laughs) we got a lawyer we got her green card so she's safe which is The scariest part to just know that you know for the last seven months someone could knock on our door and they could say she's got to go and we go where and they say they don't know you know and that was really you know hard for us and really scary for izzy we tried to protect her from knowing all of that stuff but no she's a we're happy we're happy to be at her service i would say yeah
2: that's i I, that was going to be my next question which was you know have you emotionally prepared for if she has to go but She's locked in? She, okay. Yeah. No, we're not. Uh, we're
3: not emotionally prepared. I, I say that we are. Like, we've done all the things that they tell you to do to be prepared. But if someone were to come in, and, and hopefully it's a family member, you know, that's what you want, you know, but it is going to be hard. I'm not going to lie. She feels like our child and we treat her like our child because it would be insane to invite a child to live with you if it wasn't, you know, you didn't give them your entire love. Um... But, I mean, ultimately, that is... Reunification is the goal of foster parents. And I would say that if anyone's ever looking into fostering, um, you really should try to build some sort of, like, union between you and the birth parents because you're helping... The service you're providing at that point is to help them. You're trying to reunite this family together, and you're a piece of that puzzle. So um, Izzy is not, you know... when she came, to, you know that's still when she came to live with us. You know that was that's our goal, and even though there isn't someone in sight that we know of, our, that's still our goal. So at the end of the day, you know it will it will be crazy bittersweet, yeah. but and heartbreaking, I'm sure in a lot of ways. But we know that that's that's what we signed up for. Yeah, that's par for the
2: course. Yeah, but also what an incredible full circle moment to come from foster care and to be able to give back in that way. I'm sure that was a huge part of your comfortability and your want. Yeah, I grew up like not
3: talking about foster because I just didn't. I didn't want to be the weird kid, you know. Um, so I actually just started expressing to my friend group, you know, like how I grew up because I used to oh, this is my sister, and no one would really ask. Um, she's Latina. <laughs> no one would really ask, you know, and we're the exact same age, but it was it was fine, you know. And uh, and that's kind of just how I how I bumbled around. But now I'm like sort of owning the foster care thing. Um, and yeah, it does feel good, and it makes me feel a little funny when people, like, went before Izzy came to live with us, a lot of people try to talk us out of it. Um, you know, they oh, foster kids are this, foster kids are that, and I'd love to go, I'm a foster kid, <laughs> you know? Okay, gag, yeah. and shut up. I'm like, and I that was me, and, and it felt nice to shut them up. You know, that was another way to kind of stand up for little kid Rachel. Um, but yeah, it, it is a full circle moment, and it feels good, and I don't know. <laughs>
2: is there a difference between being a mom of one and a mom of two
3: yeah yeah there is i was scared um i was like i didn't know what we were signing up for but i would say that um everybody's life has drastically improved now that we have another little in the house um mars has a best friend they i have to like ask them to not sleep in the same bed they are so bonded (laughs) um they are together all the time uh and and yeah I, I would say a lot of things got a lot easier um it's not like they babysit each other but they there's less like hey 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 mom 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 because now it's like hey hey sister you know it's like it's, it's a little different and I I would say like all the fears that we had have definitely like we're okay
2: <laughs> oh that makes me really happy to hear yeah and also as someone who just now started getting baby fever
3: yeah oh yeah that happened i was crazy i turned zach how crazy was i at like two years ago i was not okay (laughs) yeah it was like it was feral in our home it was not all right like he had to go sleep in a different room because you didn't know what was gonna happen i was like no i Like my brain was like, no, but then down here I was like, "Uh uh-huh. It was really crazy. And I would get like sweaty about it. Like if he walked too close to me in the hallway, it was like on, it was bad. It was scary. I mean, he probably liked it for two seconds, but then it was scary. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was bad.
2: Yeah. But he's a Scorpio. He likes. it. He is a Scorpio. Yeah. Yeah, You know, we like that kind of shit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, okay. So businesses, podcasts, motherhood, are you taking time for yourself? No. <laughs>
3: uh, I took three days. Uh, so I have a book coming out, um, a
2: memoir. Ooh. I know, weird, right? <laughs> it's, it's, that's good. I, I've been saying since I was 21 I was going to write a memoir. <laughs> like, I, about I fucking actually what.
3: was like thinking, okay, and this is maybe like a little bit of like Gen Z marketing brain coming out. But I was like, wow, my memoir is really just a lot about all the guys that I've hung out with. And it's like, I was thinking maybe I should title it like what happens when you fuck around and find out. (laughs) (laughs) Ah! Because I didn't mean to write a book like that. But then I realized, you know, if you're alone in this world, what happens? You know, that's what happened to me. I just kind of, you know, I built all of my experiences, not through family members, but really through like weird relationships that I had for a week or a month or a year or whatever. Um, So I did. I'm I'm supposed to be taking three days to write to finish the book. It's four months behind schedule. Um, sorry, <laughs> my editor. Um, but, and that was Easter days. So in that time, I have um, come to hang out with you. I've gone on Instagram Live four times. <laughs> I've taken about six meetings um, and I'm doing great. No, I don't take time for myself. I really need to. Um, yeah. Soon. Please. I need to. I really need to. Again, it, look, I don't know if anybody of you guys, or I bet you guys do have this, but I have a scarcity issue yes. surrounding money and stability. I will work myself to the bone. I, am, I will also be very honest with you. I, am, I don't have the answer for that. I'm working on it in therapy. <laughs> if anybody has some clarity surrounding that,
2: please I don't. hit me up. <laughs> That's why I'm drowning. Because I was yeah. like, why did I say yes to so much shit? Oh, yes, because I'm scared there might not be yeah. another person asking me to do something. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's like you'll
3: take any little thing because you never know. You, know you always wait for the other shoe to drop. But I mean, that makes us dynamic.
2: Yeah, crazy. <laughs> Damn it. Fun
3: cool. girls. Zany.
2: Um, when's the book dropping?
3: Well, like I said, it's four months behind. I'm hoping to have it out by summer. I'm self publishing, so that's really exciting. Um, I'm doing that because I want full ownership over myself, my story, and also because I'm really fucking impatient and I don't want to wait for the stupid publishers. Yeah. So um, I'm, dro- I'm hopefully this summer. Um, I keep talking to the guy who's going to be uh, the press and um, they said they can turn it around in three weeks. So I'm on the final edit. I'm just doing the the cleanup. Um, so I'm in a good position. So hopefully this summer, fingers crossed. Damn. Hopefully before I'm 36 because I keep saying, I've been trying to write this book for about six years. <laughs> okay. And I keep going, oh, well, as long as I get it, my, my, procrastination was like as long as i get it done by the time i'm 35 because that seemed very crazy old to me at the time and very far away well now i'm 35 and a half and so i'm just trying to get it by july 22nd when i turn that
2: leo 36 hell yeah the alleged unluckiest day of the year maybe that'll be the the book drop date and we'll totally change the narrative oh i would love that right (laughs) i would really love that rachel thank you oh thank you thank you oh no we're not done oh i'm just welcome. telling you thank you for sharing your story because we're going to go to the next segment oh yeah you're welcome <laughs> okay yeah you're yeah, welcome. yes i unless you want to tell me something else is there anything you want to? no me i with? just feel
3: like i just talked for a really long time we and did. I, okay i feel a little exposed Good. These are not exposed, Leslie. These didn't, <laughs> they didn't out. They didn't pop Sorry. out. Um, I'm not going to yeah. say I'm not disappointed. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for listening to me. I feel like I've shared more in this room than I've shared in yes, so long. I love that. So, uh, yeah, thank you. And Absolutely. Like, I, I love to know you. I love to me know too. you. I love to watch you.
2: I'm glad we got yeah. to connect. Thank you. Up next is Ask, guess what? We get to <laughs> We get to do an advice segment. Oh, So this is perfect. It's Ask a Cool Mom. Every episode of the end, I'm going to be Oprah, and I'm going to hop up off my chair, and I'm going to walk around, and you guys are going to be very vulnerable, as we have been, and you're going to ask questions. We're going to start now. Okay. Okay. Who's got a question? I'll come over to you with a mic, and don't be shy. There's no bad question. Don't be shy. I don't think they have questions, because I literally said everything. No, no, no. Someone has a question. I'll wait. I'm okay with waiting in silence. Oh, wait. I see one. I see one. Boom. Boom. Love it. When I give you the mic, you can tell us uh, whatever you want to tell us, but your name, where you're from. Yeah. And if you got kids, sure. Hi. Hi. What's up?
1: (laughs) My name is Chindo. I'm a little waved off the wine, so don't... (laughs) Um. Yeah, you feel me? Okay. So, so sorry. My bad. Um, I am from Queens. I live in Powder Springs, Georgia, currently, and then you know we're here in LA right now. But um, I want to shoot my shot because you just was talking about your book, and I'm an art director slash graphic designer, and I'm like, do you have Somebody doing your book cover, yeah?
3: Um, No, I was gonna do it myself, but I'm always open to anybody shooting their shot. Okay. (laughs) So, so please, yeah, please hit me, hit my DM. Um, uh, It's or I'll give you my number after this. I I also just love to connect with people. (laughs) So, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you.
1: (laughs) I'm a Taurus, but close. (laughs) They are close. (laughs) I also have three kids and a bonus baby, so.
3: Wow, Uh, wow, that's incredible.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Anyone else? Here I come. Is that my Leo friend in the back corner? (laughs) Nice. You've been on it, I love (laughs) it. I love that hair. (laughs) Tell us about you and then you can ask Rachel. My name's Carol, I have a
3: recent two-year-old she turned two on sunday Um, i'm a single mom i have a restraining order on my ex (laughs) (laughs) hell yeah um what point just because like i mentioned i have a restraining order on a psycho ex what point was your like i need a divorce and how did you transition from being a married single mom to being a single mom? Because it sounds like you were a married single mom. I was a married single mom. Um, Okay, wow, this one is a bit loaded. No, that's okay, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. I'm here for you. Um, When did I know? You know, that one was hard because I got into a really toxic pattern of like trying to prove my point. I was separated. I did the separation for a year and a half before I filed. And in that year and a half, I, I kept trying to push him to do the things that I needed him to do. Um, and I think, I guess, it. there were three things. It was like sobriety, medication, therapy. Um, I would have taken just one. One would have like got me back. But um, I think that it was the realization that none of them were coming, and it was a year and a half. And I think that... I had tried every single thing in me and I realized that if I had kept giving to the fighting and proving my point that I was just taking away from my own self, I kind of hit a wall with it. And, you know, and then a man slid into my DM. (laughs) Okay. Um, But, um, yeah, I think that. When I, realized that I want, when I realized I wanted to prioritize myself and my relationship with my child over that relationship and how much that was taking out of me, uh was when I realized it was time to go and as far as transitioning um into single motherhood if you have ever done someone a favor and they owe you that is the time to call in those people because you will need that support a
2: hundred percent um
3: you will need to ask and you will need to owe people favors later afterwards but um that that was I really relied on just anybody who could take a one-year-old for a minute so I could sleep you know so yeah Thank you. yep you're welcome yes
2: yes tell us a little bit a, a little bit about you yeah that's why I, that's why I reminded you and then the question I'm Aluna I live down the street and uh, I have a two and a half year old with my partner my husband and um my question was what which of your mom's skills are your favorite ones that you've brought into business
3: um compromise (laughs) realizing that i'm gonna try my hardest it's probably not gonna come out right but it's gonna be the best that i could come up with in the moment and that I have brought into my business, especially as a perfectionist. Um, but man, is motherhood humbling and you are going to try your best and you have to just take what you get. Um, and the same goes for clothing production. <laughs> you can, I was just telling a girlfriend of mine over there, um, you know, you try and you try and you try to explain, you know, what you want, what you need in motherhood and also at work. And it is is a lot of compromise, you know. I I hope that makes sense, you know. um, Yeah, I would say that's my number one as far as bringing in to business. And, you know, naps, naps. Naps. (laughs) Naps and compromise and just kindness towards myself because I know I'm trying my best. And when those deadlines get the best of me, it's like I tried. (laughs) I really did.
2: I needed that deadline note. I was standing here and I was present, but I was also thinking about the person that sent me the message that was like, Are you gonna send me the thing tonight? And i oh. like, I got a whole ass event, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Here's some Red Bull. Right. Um, I can take one more question if we have it. Oh, okay, we'll do two. We'll cap it. Two. two, two. A little about you and then your question. Hi, I'm Shadé. I am a life coach for moms to help reconnect and reparent themselves. Um, I just opened up my dating life. And I kind of want to know, what were the green flags you found in your partner when you guys met? I love that question.
3: Um, Well, he was (laughs) hot. uh no he's hot but um yeah I I would say for me the green flags comes look when you're in lust there's going to be a lot of green flags but what I have found that our has made our relationship last and worth me continuing to show up for especially as a parent um where I have responsibilities to take care of people that are not just in my relationship it's that There are continued green flags, you know, throughout our relationship, and we're able to grow together um, and tackle the hard shit. Um, As far as when we first started dating, it was just a complete willingness to be flexible with my schedule because, you know, as parents, we're very much so not flexible, and he was not a parent until he moved in. And, um, flexibility, openness to hold all my baggage, and I think just also him pushing me to heal myself because that was, I was, I was dragging around a lot of shit. I was dragging around like 20 years of shit with me, unhealed shit, and it is when you go through a divorce and, and a big breakup and you have kids, that's a lot of shit, even if you're doing it the most best right way from any checklist like you still there's stuff that are, is still open that you need to close and heal and i think that it was his consistent like little gold stars he gave me when i made it to three therapy sessions that month and like just pushing me to really be in my body and um i want everybody to find that you know in a partner and i i really hope you you do thank you yeah
2: Oh, my gosh. That made me teary-eyed. That
3: was- <laughs> I really love my boyfriend. <laughs> I love
2: that. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Ooh. Sorry. No, it's okay. I just be emo anyways, but like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Um hi I'm Dave Lynn. Hi um thanks so much. Uh, I have an almost two year old um, mm-hmm. that my husband and I actually adopted two years ago so wow. i I love hearing you know stories of people creating va- families in different ways yes. um and I also just started a business so between like toddler taking over my house, mm-hmm. business starting, it's really hard hard to find moments of just like rest because yep. if I'm not with him, I'm working, and mm-hmm. you know the weekend I guess is easier to kind of plug like take away from work but then you're still with kids so how have you found moments just like rest or respite or anything to kind of just chill out for like 10 minutes
3: so you have to remember i had this realization a little late but you have to remember that there takes two of you to create a child and i think asking the other parent to do 50% of the child rearing will give you the thing that you're looking for. Even if you see them and you think they're doing all that they can, if you truly are not getting rest, he can do some stuff. Um, And I think making that audible, um, it is hard to start, because that's two babies. You got a business as a baby and your baby baby. And it is hard, and you will be fried and split and grabbing on for any morsel of hope to keep yourself going, because it is hard, and you need to acknowledge that that is really difficult, and what you're doing, and you need to ask your friends, family, and most of all your partner to help you, because I think especially, and again, love the men in the room. Thank you so much for listening to me talk. But uh, you know, they, uh, I I remember I used to get a lot of like where's your baby if I was on Instagram where's your baby but a man in my life has never been asked where his baby is when he's in when he's out and and that would really piss me the fuck off um and I think there's a lot of the the you're prescribed you know the responsibility even though it took two of you to make the decision and you need to remember that and ask him to give you that. I mean, Zach drops our kids off at school so I can sleep tonight till nine, so it's pretty nice. Yeah, that's great, that's great. I'm not saying that you don't have a great partner, I'm sure you do, but don't be afraid to ask for more.
2: <laughs> In life. In life, everywhere. I like that a lot. Don't be afraid to ask for more. And because you are being such a gentleman and raising your hand, I'll make this the last question.
0: Thank you. My name is Allo. I'm from Brooklyn. And um I have like a two-part question, but I hope I'm not violating with the first question. But I was really curious when you said something about like um you talked about how you couldn't hold your baby for like the first 2 months and stuff like that. And then like so I was going to ask basically how did you feel to like get over that hump? Like what 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 was your thought process between getting over that hump, basically, and the second question was kind of alludes to the whole postpartum thing. I didn't know that was a real, not that I didn't think it was real, it was just that I wasn't privy to how deep it is. And I also want to know, like, what could a partner do to, like, make it better with that type of stuff?
3: Wow. I <laughs> um, hope
0: I'm not, like, violating nothing.
3: I would say that, I mean, to get over, I, I have When I have nightmares, it takes me right back to the time when I couldn't hold her. That's like a, that's a hole in my heart, period. Um, I can't make up for that time. I will say they tell you a lot of things about breastfeeding and contact and all this stuff that you need to bond with your baby. But if you talk to Mars, this is definitely my child. (laughs) Um, We are very bonded. And I will say that time has allowed me to get over that hump. Um, I eventually did stop you know, my treatment, so I was able to be with her, and I became very attached then, um, maybe a little too much. And, you know, I wanted to just like eat her skin at that point, I was just really, really obsessed with her. And I think that if you are dealing with a partner who could be in a position to be experiencing postpartum depression or any sort of traumatic event around birth, or around not being able to hold their child or, you know, any sort of like big moment. I mean, again, it, look, the best way to love people is, again, to circle back. How can you be of service? You know, asking them what they need, not burdening them with needing to answer. <laughs> um, intuitively thinking, you know, knowing your partner, kind of trying to predict how they might be just making their day a little easier. Um, I really did not like talking about not being able to hold my child when I couldn't. Now I'm okay talking about it, obviously, and I don't feel violated. I pre- actually really appreciate you asking me that question. Um, yeah, I think letting. I'm in, in a perfect world. We all have a beautiful connection with the person we bring we bring life into the world with. You know, it doesn't always happen, but I think uh, I wish that you all have some sort of beautiful connection in any in any facet of your life, be it with like a family member or a friend or a sibling or whoever. And I think when you're trying to help someone who's struggling, it would just to be into intuitively, you know, know what they may need, which it sounds kind of crazy, but if you dig down, I think you can probably predict, you know, for your close people.
2: Thank you so much. No, that was great. Um, I just want to say thank you so much, Rachel, for giving the time and the energy and your stories. Uh, I think storytelling is the most powerful thing we can do as people because then we can see ourselves and other people's yes. experiences. And that's really validating. So thank you. You're welcome.
3: Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. This, was, this was awesome. <laughs> I I'm to go glad. back
2: next week. <laughs> Until next time.
0: Not like a regular mom, I'm a cool mom.